0: title of the sermon this morning is Persistence in Prayer, found in Luke 18, 1 through 8. we had a preaching team meeting a couple weeks ago, and as we discussed in that meeting uh, with Todd about Luke 11, which he spoke on last week, um, prayer just happens to be one of those things that we really believe around here that really does work. We believe that when you pray, God hears. And God goes to work That's what we believe around here If you don't believe that Get close enough you'll start to believe it Because that's what we believe And so um, we started to talk about it In that meeting And um, I brought up this Luke 18 passage That we're going to do this morning And just started talking about it About how God is a righteous Heavenly Father And we have a, a widow that goes to an unjust judge And I thank God I don't go to an unjust God I go to a just God and as we spoke about that in the meeting uh, uh, Pastor Todd says Well Larry it sounds like you got your sermon for next week And so out of this uh, Out of three what we would call One off sermons that we're doing As we prepare to go into Colossians After Tim speaks next week We'll be doing Colossians And um, so we were talking about it And all of a sudden Tim goes well, I think I'll just talk on prayer too So now we have a little mini series on prayer Which you can never hear enough about prayer I'm tired of us talking about prayer but not praying It's my it's been my uh, New year's resolution for the last probably five six years is that I'll somehow pray more than I talk about it Sometimes it's easy to talk about what you don't do Anyway I'm gonna make you guilty before we ever start the sermon. I don't mean to do that Now he was telling them a parable. This is verse 1 of chapter 18 in luke Now he was telling them a parable to show that at all times they ought to pray and not to lose heart, saying, in a certain city there was a judge who did not fear God and did not respect man. There was a widow in that city, and she kept coming to him saying, give me legal protection from my opponent. For a while he was unwilling, but afterward he said to himself, Even though I do not fear God nor respect men Yet because this widow bothers me I will give her legal protection Otherwise by continually coming she will wear me out And you laugh because you know people like that And the Lord said hear what the unrighteous judge said Now will not God bring about justice for his elect who cry to him day and night? And will he delay long over them? I tell you that he will bring about justice for them quickly. However, when the Son of Man comes, will he find faith on the earth? This morning in these eight verses, we see three contrasts that I'll touch on and a question. prayer contrasted with giving up the widow contrasted with the elect the judge contrasted with the heavenly father and when Christ will return will he find faith those are the four things we're looking for as we take a look at the parable though we want to set the stage a little bit about what it was like to uh, go to a courtroom back then just to give you kind of a picture of what this looked like it wasn't you didn't go to a building to see the judge the judge actually came through your town and they set up tents and you would then go to the tent not everybody was allowed inside the tent but you would go to that tent to meet with him and he had assistants that helped him set those tents up that traveled with him and the best way you could get to see the judge was if you paid the assistant some money sounds like a real fun legal system doesn't it but this is what was going on in that eastern culture that's how they dealt with it and it was interesting that the judge was the one who would determine things not the law there wasn't he was the law and he kind of invented it as he went along he set the agenda he sat in that tent and a woman here's a problem with being a widow during this time Here's what she faced. She faced three different things. First, as a woman, she had little standing before the law. She couldn't get inside to see the judge. It was not possible. Just women weren't ever in front of a judge. So she had to stay outside. Secondly, since she was a widow, and this sounds kind of funny when I say this, she had no husband, Right? She had a husband, but he's no longer with. You can't be a widow and have a husband, right? That doesn't work. But she had no husband to represent her in court. That's how women got before a judge. They had their husband go and talk to the judge, or they had somebody go on their behalf. She didn't have that available. And the third thing that she had was she was poor. She couldn't even bribe the assistants to put herself in front of the judge. It was impossible. She had no finances. That's why she needed someone to help her. What she had, though, was persistence. She never gave up. She kept coming. This is why Christ tells the parable the way he does. He says, what's he say? The first set of contrasts is we see that when you don't pray, you're going to give up. It's contrast. He says in the verse, now, he was telling them a parable to show that at all times, all times, not sometimes, at all times you ought to be praying. You ought to be doing it. And then he says, and not lose heart. So to contrast, you'd say, if I pray, if I am praying at all times, I won't lose heart the opposite of that or the contrast of that is if i'm not praying i'm bound to lose heart so the point of the the parable is that if you don't pray you're going to lose heart and if you lose heart what happens the heart becomes sick and you get depressed depression will knock at your door and what's the problem with that is He's saying you ought to always be praying so that that doesn't happen. What do you do when trouble comes? What do you do when trouble comes? Do you fix it yourself? How many times, oh, I've caught myself saying it tons of times to my own shame. We did everything we could And we couldn't muster enough to get through the trial. And then we prayed. Now fortunately, that was in my younger Christian life, but I did it a lot. I still find myself in that spot sometimes where I think it's important that you ought to be praying at all times. Let me tell you how to do that real quick. Tomorrow morning when you wake up, Determine in your mind the night before to talk to the Lord. Lord, when you wake me up, if you get me through the night and you wake me up tomorrow morning, I want to be about praying. I want to start by talking to you. I've done this for years. I wake up, I think, well, Lord, I'm still breathing. You must not be done with me. What is it that today you'll have me do for you? You start your day with that. And I promise you, you'll fulfill what he says in 1 Thessalonians about praying constantly. Constantly. Without ceasing. Now, that doesn't mean I wake up and the whole day I don't talk to Lynn because I'm praying. I'm not having an all-day prayer meeting. But when I start my morning with that little statement of When I roll out of bed, when my feet hit the floor, by the time I get there, I'm already talking to him. By the time I walk into the living room and see my wife and go get my first cup of coffee, I've already engaged God. I've already told him, I'm ready today. What is it you'll have me do? I need your help today. I I make that a positive thing. I determine in my mind that I'm going to talk to him all day long. So then when you call me on the phone and I'm in the office and there's something in your life, there's a crisis that's taken place. I can go, I can get to him right now. I've been talking to him all day already. He's been at the forefront of my thought. I ought to pray so that my heart doesn't give up. With all the stuff that's gone on in our society over these last two and a half years and it wasn't just COVID, COVID was only one part of it, but COVID set up a new standard in America where I, you can go on and say something and I'll just blast you on social media. Not caring that you're a brother in Christ. Oh, I got my opinion. You got your opinion. And pretty soon we're just fighting with each other like we don't even know each other. Are you kidding me? Get off social media if you can't say something good on there. But if you set it up by praying, let's start with Prayer. Let's start with it. It's going to be what you're known about. I want to meet with you And when I see you I go that brother's been praying. I can see it on him There's something about my family my aunt hazel my mom my dad my uncles my aunts You know what I knew about them. They were praying people If I needed something if I didn't know what to do, I could no longer hold my arms up I knew I could go see Phil and he would pray with me and I'd leave with my arms high Because someone was praying. Because if not, you will give up on this life. You just will. You'll get depressed. I'm telling you, if you're a praying person, if you meet with him daily, I'm not saying you can never get depressed. But let me tell you, it's a lot further from your door than when you're not. Because the conditions of life will not knock you down the same they just won't because you stay connected to the power source of prayer. I'm right with him. We're talking the same language. He's talking right now through me because I started this morning with prayer. God, if you don't use me, if you don't show up today, I'll say nothing that does anything for these people. I don't have it within me. I need the Holy Spirit to speak through me this morning. And so he does. And so he does. He does. And I say, praise God. Thank you, Lord. Prayer should become as natural as that first breath in the morning. You ought to pray. I didn't say it. He said it. You ought to be about prayer so that your heart will not faint, so that you won't faint. I have multiple stories I won't have enough time to tell all of them. I'm reminded of a story in David Jeremiah's book called Prayer, The Great Adventure. If you've never read it, I suggest you get it and read it. It's a wonderful story. It's a wonderful book about prayer, not just a story. Jeremiah, David Jeremiah wrote the book while he was suffering with cancer, not knowing if he would die with it or not. But he tells the story of a man who was hitchhiking home after World War II. And a man picked him up in a big, fancy, convertible Cadillac. He's just trying to get home. This guy, this guy rolls up, big businessman in a suit. He hops in the car with him. And they're driving down the road and they're talking about all kinds of things. Home from the war, all of those things. And this man says to the, this he says to him as he's riding along, this, this young man that was hitchhiking was a Christian man. He was a believer in Jesus Christ. And he said, I felt like the Lord was telling me, tell him about Jesus. He needs to know about him. You ever had that happen? You ever have it where God prompts you to tell somebody? Well, I'll tell you, if you start with prayer, he'll prompt you a whole lot more to do it. But they're driving along, and so it's, he's thinking, man, if I tell him right now, he's going to throw me out of the car and I won't get to my destination. So he gets about five minutes out from where he's going to get dropped off. And he tells the man, he says, I just feel the Lord telling me, I got to tell you about Jesus Christ. And as he's told him, Christ came from heaven. He left heaven and took on flesh. And he came to the world and he kept the law and he, died on a cross for your sins, sir. And he was buried and he was resurrected again. And if you'll place your faith in him, you can spend eternity with Jesus Christ in heaven. As he told him that story, the man pulled the car over the road and gravel flew and he screeched to a halt. And he said, as I was telling him, I'm thinking, oh no, he's going to toss me out of the car. And he said, and the man bowed his head at the steering wheel of the car. And he said, oh If he'd do that for me, I want him. I want him. And he led him to the Lord right there. And the next five or 10 minutes, they talked about what he had just done and how God was going to change his life because of it. And he got out and he gave the businessman, gives this young man a card. He says, if you're ever in Chicago, look me up. So about 10 years goes by, and he goes to see him in Chicago. He goes, this super- Fancy high-rise building. He goes to like the 12th floor, or whatever. He walks in, and he says, I'm here to see Mr. Macy. I'm here to see Mr. Macy. And the girl says, Oh, hang on, stay right there, sir. So he she takes him into an office and in walks a lady. And the lady comes in and sits down and she goes, Hi there, I'm Mrs. Macy. What's your name? How did you know my husband? My husband died. She goes, How do you know my husband? He goes, Well, he starts to unfold. he goes, Well, I tell her, do I tell her how I met him, why he told me to look him up? And so again, here he is challenged to tell her now the truth of Christ. So he tells her, I met your husband ten years ago. I'm on my way home. I told him about Jesus. He accepted Christ. The woman breaks down and starts to cry. She starts to cry. And he's like, What in the world? She said, he never made it home from that trip 10 years ago. He dropped you off and he died on his way to home. He got in an automobile accident and he died. I never saw him. And she began to weep. And she said, I had prayed for my husband to come to Jesus Christ for years and never saw any results. Never saw any results. She goes, and when he died, I gave up. I lost heart. I gave up. I quit going to church. And she goes, and now, here it is. He answered the prayer that I prayed so many years. And I'm thinking, oh, I don't want to get caught that way. I want to pray. I've been praying for something for 42 years. Me and my wife have been praying for it. And I've never seen him answer it yet. But you know what? I might be dead and gone. I might be out of this world, and he answers the prayer. But let me tell you something. When we asked him, when we started praying that 42 years ago, you know what I'm confident of? I'm confident that he heard us. I'm confident that he's at work. Because the thing we asked for, I can tell you right now, is well within the will of God, and he's gone to work for us. He's gone to work for us. Now, listen, inactivity, you sometimes look at God and think, well, he's not doing what I'm asking him. Don't give up. Don't give up. Keep praying. Keep praying because inactivity doesn't mean he's not active. When you can't see it, he might just be preparing you. He might just be preparing you. If he just gave you the answer right away, what would that do for your faith? Nothing. Nothing. But when you have to wait sometimes, all of a sudden you develop perseverance. And perseverance builds character. And character leads to joy and hope and faith. Yeah, yeah. I don't know why I'm saying all this. I didn't do this in the first service. In our society today, here, right here, in Hercules, California, in the Bay Area, the state, and even the nation, The times are pretty uncertain. Would you say that's true? The times are very uncertain. I'm afraid that I've gotten to where anything I hear on the news anymore, I either don't believe it at all because it came from the media, or I hear it and it sounds so crazy, I'm like, it's got to be true anymore because everything that's coming out of the media is just, and everything that's going on is just crazy to me anymore. But that if I leave it there and don't pray about it that will make me lose heart it'll make me lose heart when I see everything going on because what the media is doing and what's happening with us is there's an atmosphere being created that's just negative there's no hope there's no hope and what's happening is if you listen to this now if you're not praying you become dependent on those people to give you some hope. And all you're going to do is lose heart. Because they have no hope for you. The only hope you have is in praying. And God's the only hope we have. The only way this nation's going to turn is if they turn to Jesus. I think that when you pray, you create an atmosphere that's completely different. Right? You ever been, like, what are we going to do? I'm not sure what to do. And you go into prayer. And when you come out of that prayer when you come out of that prayer everything looks different than when you started everythings you go from its I don't know what we're going to do to I still don't know what we're going to do but I know God's in charge of it Pastor Phil shared a passage with me years ago we were in a financial crisis here at the church and it was a crisis and um, I think it was me and Phil and Tim were in the room and Tim had just reported that we were seventy thousand dollars in the red. Yeah, as a church, seventy thousand in the red. And Phil shared a passage in Chronicles: Jehoshaphat, when the army was coming against the children of Israel, he went right to prayer. He went right to. He didn't even call his generals in. He called the general, and he began to pray. And what they said in the prayer was, "We don't know what to do." We're not sure what to do this enemy coming against us. We don't know what to do against him, but our eyes are on you lord Our eyes are on you We hadn't even finished the prayer Doesn't always work this way, but it did work that way that day We hadn't finished the prayer And ron hughes came in And stood at the door and waited till we were done And said hey, I just want you men to know That uh, I was just opening mail And in the mail was a check for $70,000. Is that true, Phil? Tim? That's the truth. That's what God does when you pray. He shows up. And he shows off. I love it when he shows off. I love being the recipient when he's showing off. Now, that was a monetary, and I told you about one with somebody's faith. Someone became a Christian ought to always be praying the key to not losing heart is to pray amen Reggie was sharing with us yesterday and it fits so I'm like man prayer changes the atmosphere in which we live you know when I'm praying I'm not too worried about what the government's doing I figure God's got it in control doesn't he isn't he a sovereign God doesn't he know what's going on of course he does But Reggie was sharing, he he was, he, he went to 1 Peter 5, 7. And that is, cast all your anxieties. Cast all your cares. How do you cast them? Well, let's see, the thing I've been praying for for 42 years, I can't grab it and throw it, so I can't cast that. How do I cast it? By praying. I'm praying for that. He says, cast all your anxiety on him, not on your neighbor or your counselor or whoever on him because he doesn't care for you no because he does care for you he's waiting to hear from you and then the second if you read through that I got I like to get to verse 10 there the second half of it in that same chapter the God of grace who called you to his eternal glory in Christ will himself perfect you. He'll confirm, he'll strengthen and he'll establish you. How did it start? Cast your anxiety on him. It starts in prayer. I'm going to pray to him. I'm going to get rid of all this stuff that I can't do anything about anyway. I'm going to cast it on him. I'm going to get it off me and on him. Listen, this cast is not a fishing pole. Don't make it a fishing pole where you cast it out and reel it in. No, no. Throw it away. Cast it. Give it to him. Put it at his feet. Okay. Pray, and you will not faint, and you will not give up. It's his promise. Not mine, it's his. That's the contrast of praying compared to giving up. If you want to be a give up artist, don't pray. I promise you your heart will be burdened, And you'll have no peace, and you won't sleep at night. That's different. I didn't sleep the other night because he woke me up with these passages in my brain. That's a different kind of a a wake-up. Second one, the widow contrasted to God's elect. Who are his elect? His elect are his children, the ones that he has saved, the ones that he has given the faith to believe in Jesus Christ. Those are the elect. So let's look at the contrast of those I'm just going to give them to you because I will run out of time if I try and go through everything Here's what we see in the passage. I'll read it again to you in a certain city There was a judge who did not fear God and did not respect man What would that tell you about that individual? They don't fear God and they don't have any respect for man. They're pretty selfish and they're probably pretty wicked in reality They only care about themselves. They care nothing about you and they sure don't care about God There was a widow in that city And she kept coming to him saying give me legal protection from my opponent for a while. He was unwilling but afterward He said to himself even though I do not fear God nor respect man Yet because this widow bothers me I will give her legal protection. Otherwise by continually coming she will wear me out What do we see there well The widow had no right she was she was a stranger to the judge There was no relationship between her and the judge this is the contrasting thoughts we are his elect children he knows you by name he knows every hair on your head he's got them numbered when, I, when about 50 of them fell out this morning when I was doing my hair he knew which ones were going to fall out before they fell out No, not I still got plenty of hair we are his elect children of God who he cares for didn't he just say that cast all your cares on me because I care about you First peter 5 there again, we see that in luke eleven thirteen. 13 what todd spoke on last week Widow was alone She was all by herself Guess what? No, nilo sanchez this morning is not on his own He's suffering from cancer. They're giving him maybe two more months to survive this life We're still praying for Soul of Grace Ministries, though, because there's still a ministry going on in the Philippines. But guess what? He's not by himself. For one, he's got an entire church that's praying for him. I don't go to the throne by myself. Sometimes I do, but there's things I can share with you. You're going to pray with me, and we're going to go together. There's no aloneness. There's not supposed, you're not supposed to be alone in the Christian life. You belong to the body of Christ. We come together. He sees us as a body. He sees you individually, but he sees us as a body. His elect, listen to this. I have this picture. There's saints in heaven right now that are gathered around the throne praising him. That's amazing, huh? You go, man, I can't wait till I'm there. I can't wait till I get to get up there. Listen to this. But his elect can gather around his throne of grace in their prayers. You get to do that right now. You know what? When we start to pray, the way I understand it, I get ushered right into the third heaven with him. I'm right at the throne. I get to talk right to the Heavenly Father, and I get to do it anytime. Anytime. I don't need an appointment. And then I like this part. And when we do that, he says in Revelation that our, the prayers of the saints, the prayers of the believers, the prayers of the church are like sweet incense in the heavens. Wow. When you go to a prayer meeting around here on a Wednesday night and they start to praying, it's like lighting up incense in heaven. And God loves the smell. The widow had no access to the judge. She had no access. She couldn't get in the room with him. She could only stay on the outside of the tent. But you, as his children, have an access right into his holy presence and are welcome any time anytime ephesians 2 18 and 3:12, and hebrews 4 he talks about it we come boldly to him crying abba father we get to call him daddy my goodness widow had no one to plead her case no one could plead for her she wasn't didn't have enough money to bribe anybody to plead for her couldn't even get in front of the judge She had no one to plead her case. We have an advocate according to 1 John 2 1, and a high priest according to Hebrews who sits at the right hand of the Father, ever interceding for us. Wow. Just some contrasts I saw. Widow has no promises that she can claim, she can't even claim the law because the law is whatever the judge decides. But she has no promises to claim as she's attempting to convince the judge to listen to her. She just wants to get in front of him so he'll listen to her. But she has no promises. In our prayers, in your prayers, we can open the word of God and claim his promises. Not guessing. I don't have to guess in prayer. I can find out what his will is. You know that? You can find out what his will is. Now, you probably won't find in here, should I move to Colorado? No. But you'll find out that whatever decisions you're making, that the peace of God will help you. Huh? You can find it in here. So the word of God, and you can claim those promises. And added to this promises are also the representation of the Holy Spirit who assists us in our prayers little widow didn't have that she had no assistance you've got the holy spirit in you that's he's there conveying what you actually need he groans on your behalf when you pray widow came to a court of law we go to the throne of grace not interesting when i go before the father i'm not going to court you ever had to go to court it's about the most uncomfortable thing you can do. It's like going to the dentist. But I get to, when I pray, I get to enter right into the throne of grace with him as a child of his. I was telling him in the, in the earlier service, I was telling him that um, it's interesting how when you enter in To a area where the people know you How different that is than when you walk into a room where no one knows you When you walk into a courtroom and no one knows you there Compared to the throne of grace where everyone knows you that you're going to see But I was thinking about it, I thought, you know, it's very interesting I love all kinds of kids I do, I love children Um, There was a little baby right there earlier that I love, loving on them little babies. Now, when they get to be a certain age, you can have them. But most of the time, I love kids. Here's the deal. But there's a difference when it's one of my kids. Or if it's now, it's my grandkids. Right? My dad had a statement. He said if he'd known being a grandparent was so good, he'd have skipped right past being a parent and went right to grandparents. I have a theory that the reason they're called grandkids is they cost about a thousand dollars more every time you turn around But you know when they're your kids You treat them differently when they're not your kids. There's no relationship between you and that person It's different than when there is a relationship So when you go to an unjust judge like the widow, she had no relationship But when she goes to the heavenly father when we go to him, we got a relationship with him He has done everything for us. All we need to do is accept that from him, but he's waiting for you. He's already got the answer ready to dispatch. You have not because you ask not. Anyway, that's a side one. That was nothing to do with with the one that I'm on. Widow pled out of her poverty. She was pleading out of poverty. We have all of God's riches available to us to meet every one of our needs. What a difference. What a difference. Knowing the Lord. And being able to go to him. For every need that I have. Every need that I have. Whatever this little widow woman's need was. Not having God made the need much more difficult. Because she could go to God and he could answer the need. As well as going to that judge could. That's the only thing I see where there's any similarity. Similarity. The judge had the ability to relieve her of her issues. God has the ability to relieve you of of yours. That's the only similarity in these guys between the two. So there's my contrast, the things I saw about the widow compared to us, his elect. But then there's a contrast. The third one is there's a contrast between the judge and the father, the heavenly father. And so I was looking at um, this passage. I'll read it, this verses 6 through 8a and the Lord said hear what the unrighteous judge said now will not God bring about justice or avenge his elect who cry to him day and night and will he delay long over them sorry yeah and will he delay long over them I tell you that he will bring about justice and avenge them quickly now then Early on I told you there was, a, there was a prayer That me and my wife had been praying for 42 years You say well that doesn't sound like he's answered it very quickly Well it Depends on your perspective If you want to think about that I'm probably only going to live to be about I don't know I don't want to put a, name, a, a number on it But maybe in my 80s let's say And I would sign that contract now if I could get it But let's just say that you're, you're looking at that I'm like, okay, how long is 42 years compared to eternity? How long is 42 years compared to my whole life, which is but a vapor? You ever see a vapor? When you see it, it doesn't last long, it's gone. So that's still not very long. And I am still trusting and believing that God's going to answer that prayer. I'm gonna do that till I'm dead And when I'm gone he might answer it And i'll get to rejoice with him over his answer at that point. I can do it now But I also might get to do it later Here's what I saw in this Because I wanted to make sure I touched on that Well, i've been praying for a long time and I haven't gotten my answer because I want to touch on that second peter 3 9 This is what he says the lord is not slow in keeping his promises Huh? He's not slow in keeping. As some count slowness. Ah, that's kind of a key. It depends on who's doing the counting. If it's the world, they're saying, oh, see, he didn't answer. He didn't answer you. I'm like, oh, no, it ain't, the jury's out yet. The jury's still out on that. But this is one of the reasons I love this. But the Lord is patient toward you Not wishing, this is why he's patient, not wishing for any to perish, but for all to come to repentance. You see, there's salvation in his patience. I want to tell you, I'm so thankful that the Lord decided not to come back in 1961. Because I didn't get saved until 1962. I know, that was a long time ago, people. Thank God, though. In his patience was my salvation. In his patience was your salvation. And he's not slow in keeping his promises. He is not slow. He's coming back, people. He's coming back. He promised it. That's kind of what this passage is about. The contrast between the judge and the father, let's walk through them. The judge was unrighteous. Unrighteous. Heavenly Father is righteous Righteousness like no one else The judge didn't care about anyone but himself The father is loving and caring The judge didn't want to hear from the widow The heavenly father is attentive to our every prayer and concern for us He's waiting to hear from you today He wants to hear from you You are not an inconvenience You will not wear him out coming back with a prayer for 42 years i haven't worn him out oh no you're not going to wear him out the judge was selfish the heavenly father is generous in his gifts the judge gave us the judge gave into the widow's need for fear that she would wear him out well you're not going to wear the father out He was afraid of the black eye he might get. Thereby, listen—the black eye. You ever been punched in the eye? What's the result? You get a black eye, and now you've got to wear the black eye, and it probably means if you're a guy, you didn't have your guard up. And so everybody's going to ask you, "Hey, what happened? You got punched in the face, huh? Couldn't get your hand up, huh?" I told him in the early service, "If you ever see me with a black eye, it's because Lynn caught up to me." but in this he said listen even in his answering of the woman's prayer he was selfish he didn't cease to be who he was there was a selfishness in even the answer even giving her justice was not what he wanted to do he only did it because it served him the reason it served him is if she wears him out and he ends up with a black eye it destroys his reputation So he said, I'm just going to give her what she wants because I don't want my reputation tainted. So even in his answering it, he was selfish, and it really wasn't for her cause. The father answers prayers for your good and for his glory. Judge delayed in answering the widow. The father gives justice speedily. It is important that we see those contrasts Between the wicked unrighteous judge and our heavenly father That's why we want to point them out so that you don't think you don't start to think that we might come up with a theory That could convince god to answer our prayers by us arguing with him or trying to bribe him You ever done those prayers? God if you just get me out of this I promise I'll always go to sunday school. I'll be there early. I'll help them set up You ever done that You trying to bargain with him? Oh, none of you have ever done that. I'm the only one in the building that's done that. But as we can clearly see the contrasting views of the two, the judge and the heavenly father, they're nothing alike in any way. Other than what I said earlier, where I think that they both had the ability to release her from what troubled her. The final thing that I'll say is this question at the end of all of this. And that's in that 8b. However, when the Son of Man comes, will He find faith on the earth? Will He find this kind of faith on the earth? Will He find anybody that believes if they pray that He'll answer it? Do they have any faith that He said He's coming back? Will they believe He's actually coming? Will you be surprised when He comes back? There'll be a sense of surprise, but not startled. I'm asking Him to come back. Are you praying, asking him to come back? Lord, come quickly. Anybody praying that way nowadays? When I was a kid growing up in the churches I went to, every I would say hello to Sister Smith, and she'd say, he's coming. You're like, well, I hope not today. I got, a, I got a, a baseball game later or something. But that's what we believe. We believe any moment he could come back. Guess what? I would love to be in the pulpit preaching and have him come back speaking the truth about God and have him come back Phil have you not wished for that multiple times or being a good prayer meeting where you're just really talking to him good and just then all of a sudden open your eyes and you're right in his presence wouldn't that be incredible you ever been in a prayer meeting where you feel like you can see him I've been in those too I didn't see him but I felt like I could one last story and I think it's important what have you been praying for? What are you praying for now? What's that thing that you go, God, I need relief? I need relief in this. I've told you this story about my mom praying for my brother. And I've always said it was my mom prayed for 30 years, and that's true. But I have aunts and uncles my Aunt Hazel, my Uncle Phil, my Aunt Carolyn my wife myself we were praying to praying for my brother marty god if he dies right now i'm not sure he'll be with you he knows who you are he knows what he should believe but he hasn't been believing it is he even saved we would argue he wasn't he would argue he was and he's bigger than me so i don't argue with him But my mom and my dad both prayed for over 30 years for my brother and he never came to the church. He never got back with the Lord. He was in a bad way. He was raising hell as best he could. And about two years after her death, I'm up here on this worship team and I look back at my brother's sitting back there right where those throwing, he couldn't get any further back, but he was in the building. And for six weeks in a row, he showed up back there. And I kept thinking, Why is he here? Why is he here? I've been praying for it so long I'd lost heart even in the prayer. None of you have ever done that, have you? Where you've prayed so long for something you just go, I don't even know what to say anymore. I just leave it with the Lord and keep moving. But he showed up and I had avoided even talking to him during those six weeks I made sure I'm like if God's working in his heart I'm staying out of the way let God work on him finally after six weeks I see him in the lobby he says I've been coming six weeks bub I go I know I've been seeing you I've been counting with you and I asked him this now I wouldn't ask any of you this sorry but I asked him because he's my brother I said Martin why are you here what are you doing here don't play church don't come looking for some woman in the building oh yeah we got men that do that we got women that do that too looking for men but don't come here for that why are you here he goes I don't know Bob because I went to bed six weeks ago and I woke up the next morning and I'm walking the levees where I live and I'm saying I'm going to church this morning God just said you're going to church this morning and I got in my truck and said Well, if I'm going, I'm going back to Valley because that's where I left. So he came and he just stayed. God answered the prayer. And he'd been here for about a year. He finally got married to a good Christian girl and they're living in Idaho now. But I think, you know, he came and my dad put his arm around me one day and he goes, son, your brother Marty's doing so good. I go, I know, dad. I've been watching him. He says, son. I wish your mama was here. I wish your mama was here to see it. I said, oh, dad, mom's got a better view than either one of us. She's with the Lord. I talked to my brother a couple weeks ago. You know what we talked about? He's living in Idaho now about eight years. What we talked about was what he was going to teach in Sunday school this week. And hey, above, I'm doing revelation. What about this? What about that? Oh, our conversations have changed. Because God changed him. But how did he change him? Through the prayers of the people. My mom wasn't alone. There was a lot of, there's people in this room that didn't even know my brother Marty that prayed for him. Oh, when you gang up on the Lord like that and start bombarding Him with prayers, He will do amazing things. Overall, the whole reason for the sermon in my mind, I already know I have a righteous God. I already know He wants to answer my prayers. I already knew all that, and so did you. But the very first part of that, you ought to always be praying. Have you stopped praying during the two and a half years of insanity? It's made me pray more. I haven't given up I haven't given up I'm not depending on men I'm depending on God but I'm not giving up if you stay in prayer you won't give up he won't you won't lose your heart you won't faint and guess what right about the time you get tired you got a brother that'll come alongside and help hold you up huh you're not alone in this we're not alone in this Heavenly Father oh what a kind and gracious merciful Heavenly Father you are and I'm wondering how many prayers of mine have you wanted to answer and I never prayed them sometimes I wonder Lord I just want to encourage your people this morning to always be about prayer you ought to always pray and not give up. It's You said it, Lord. These are your words. You're the one. These, these are written down. These are the words you said. And then I love it because you not only said this, but now you're sitting on a throne next to the Father representing me in the prayers. Wow! May we find ourselves this week and in the weeks to come. May it become... Atmospheric to us that we don't We can't leave the house without talking to you Let it be like breathing for us Oh if you'll make Valley Bible Church A church of prayer it'll grow People will be infected by it Because if I'm Praying I'm asking you What do you have for me you're going to say Lord what do you want me to do And you're going to say oh would you tell him about my son Would you tell a lost world About Jesus Christ And when you do I'll save them, and the numbers will add. Mm. Thank you, Lord, for this wonderful gift of being able to communicate with you through prayer. And it all is possible because your son was willing to come and die, and it's in his name that we pray in the name of Jesus Christ, our Lord and Savior. Amen. Amen. Thank you, church.